Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Old-time Big Ten football. Yeah. Touchdown, Purdue! When I say the words Juan's delivery truck, what are the thoughts that come to mind for you? Now, I don't know my entire demographic here, but I, I feel like we scale, you know, somewhat middle-aged, younger, you know, millennial type age to older. You know, I don't think, you know, we're dipping into Gen um the alpha generation or any any in between here gen x gen z i i think that i'm speaking mostly to 30 year olds maybe 27 might be the cutoff but you know older than than me i'm i'm 30 so people that are older than me know the brand schwans and when i think of schwans and that yellow delivery truck I immediately get taken back to leafing through that booklet. And it wasn't necessarily actually leafing through it as my grandma, Michelle in her kitchen, she was the one that would get it on a semi-regular basis. I think it was like every three to four weeks. Um, I don't know. She had that, that little sticker that they gave you, you push, put it on the calendar. So, you know, when the truck is coming and be in her kitchen she'd be leafing through the booklet while the the delivery driver's standing in there um thinking you know about what you want and i'm just waiting for her to get to the frozen treat section so that we can decide if we're getting ice cream cones or fudge sickles that week and more often than not we got the ice cream cones and we just absolutely devoured them I think if we got them like on a Thursday, they were gone by the end of the weekend. I think it was a 12-pack, maybe 16. They were gone by the end of the weekend. Now, why in the world am I bringing up Schwann's and the delivery truck and ice cream cones? It may be because I'm hungry at the moment, and I saw something on the internet that Schwann's is no longer a thing. It's it's still a company. It's something called yellow and a part of me didn't didn't die but it's just a part of me is sad that it's that it's not schwann's anymore it's a new company branded some of their different but anyways when you're looking through the week three slate for purdue fans and for me I'm kind of just waiting until we get to this game at night because I think this is going to be the game that is going to be the most entertaining. It's going to feature a lot of big plays. It It's going to be very entertaining and a sweet watch. Sweet as an ice cream cone. Man, that little chocolate at the very bottom of the cone. 
Welcome into the Behind the Rails of Purdue podcast. I'm your host, Bryce Vance. This podcast is on the Believe Network. Make sure you subscribe, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or to the YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash behind the rails. This game against Syracuse is night game, prime time, first scheduled prime time game. Last week at Virginia Tech turned into a night game because of the long weather delay. But this game on Saturday at a sold-out Ross-Aid Stadium feels like it, and I and I talked about it a little bit, you know, with some of the games that are going to be later in the season, and you hope that they're at night so you have chances to have more juice in that stadium and. And that happens with night games. You know, that's why Penn State has their night out or their whiteout at night most of the times, not this year. Um, and why a lot of those Purdue upsets feel like they come at night when, when the game's at home. And having this game at night against Syracuse, a quality opponent on the similar level as Purdue, feels right. Feels like it's shaping up to be a very, very good game. And I think there's a lot at play that could make this a very entertaining game. We're going to go through the things to watch for. We're going to go through some of the X factors and we're going to finish up with the prediction to end the show. But I want to first start off this conversation about Syracuse, who is a two and a half point favorite. This game is going to be on NBC 730. This game last year, I think it was a noon kickoff last year at the JMA Wireless Dome. In my heart, it's still the Carrier Dome. This game was wild. I think it was like 25 total points scored going into the fourth quarter, and then it blows up in the last eight eight to nine minutes of the game. You know, teams going down and scoring on big plays. Uh, Syracuse. As a lot of Purdue fans know, um, end up scoring a couple touchdowns, um, including one with like 19 seconds left to kind of secure the victory. And that's the type of game. I don't know if it's going to be that wild back and forth at the like, in the last eight minutes of the game, but I think it's a back and forth type contest just because of what you have at quarterback. And specifically on the Syracuse side, you have Garrett Schrader, who was in that game last year has some newer targets this year outside of Aronde Gadsden and Isaiah Johnson, who both caught touchdown passes in last year's uh, win. Gadsden might not play. He got nicked up in the Western Michigan game. He might not play in this game. Um, as of recording this podcast, it's still unknown if he's going to play in the po- in the, in the game. So that takes away a huge target for Syracuse and Garrett Schrader. And it takes away from him in the running game as far as a blocker, but he's probably the most trusted target that Schrader has. And going up against a better defense in Purdue than what Schrader and Syracuse have faced in the last two matchups, I mean, Another another note right off the top, Syracuse has played nobody. Nobody. 
They played Colgate, who's an FCS school, and they played Western Michigan, who might be the worst team in the MAC this year between them and possibly Kent State. I think that the level of play that Syracuse is going to see compared to the last two weeks obviously takes, I think, a big step up and is a step that have they been tested yet? What are they going to be like when they get, you know, punched in the mouth? Because they got punched in the mouth in the first 30 seconds against Western Michigan. Western Michigan broke off a 70 or 80 yard touchdown run in like the, the first 30 seconds of the game last week and then did absolutely nothing the rest of the game. Syracuse shut them down. But I think when you look at last year's matchup and try to draw takeaways on what this game will be like, I think that it's going to be quarterbacks going back and forth, uh, leading their teams on touchdown drives or on drives because we've seen – at least here in the early going, Syracuse, Kansas sustained some drives. They can have some big plays. I think I had a, a note in here that uh, Schrader has 12 plays of 15 yards or more so far this year. And again, and I don't want to harp on it too much, but it's just a point that you need to know going into this game that the level of competition that they have not faced is not been good. So they're facing a significantly better team in Purdue coming up this week and I'm interested to see how they take that challenge on and if they do show that they are capable of being a good team if you look at ESPN's football power index they project this is a, a nine-win team in Syracuse and yes they don't play as difficult as a schedule as Purdue but this is going to be an eight nine-win team and if Purdue doesn't play Ohio State and Michigan in the same year, Purdue is looking at close to seven, eight wins team. So it is a seven, eight win team. So these two teams, as I think I said on last week's pod that or last time we spoke, that these two teams are on a similar level. I, I think that they have very good uh, mobile quarterbacks that have strong arms. They have quality uh, out wide at the tight end position, at uh, receiver. I think they both have good running backs. LaQuint Allen is, I think, um, capable of, of breaking off some big runs that he broke off, I think, a couple last week against Western Michigan. Um, and obviously, Purdue has uh, three guys in the backfield that are, are capable of, of getting you some yards and, and a couple of them that are capable of breaking off some big runs, which I'm, I'm hopeful that we see more of uh, this week after what they did against Virginia Tech last week. So I think both defenses are improved. Uh, I think Syracuse has a pretty darn good defense um, coached by Rocky Long, the former San Diego State head coach. Uh, before he was at Syracuse, I think he was at UNLV as a, kind of a, a defensive assistant before coming to Syracuse. And he's had a reputation of knowing how to get his defenses to play very hard, aggressive, and just be good. I mean, San Diego state for the longest time had one of the better defenses in college football. And, and I think that Syracuse is going to be a good challenge for this offense as I think Virginia tech was as well. 
I, I think they have a good secondary. Uh, I'm not sure how much pressure they'll be able to generate. I think they blitz more uh, than Virginia Tech does. Uh, I heard a, a stat that uh, Rocky Long's defense uh, go about 50% with bringing pressure. So that's something to look out for in, in this in this matchup. So I think that these teams are very similar in, in a lot of ways. So that's something to watch out for. And this game is, is going to be back and forth. It's going to be even, I believe, all the way throughout and should be should be very entertaining. So let's let's get a little bit deeper into into Syracuse and what to look out for. Syracuse is uh, I mentioned that football power index they are at eighteen. So according to that index, Syracuse is a top twenty team in the country. Uh, for reference, Purdue is at fifty nine, one spot behind Colorado. And to me, Colorado has face two power five teams that are not very good. I, I think both of those teams are going to struggle to, to get to bowl eligibility this year. Uh, but Purdue is, you know, middle of the pack, uh, slightly, I think slightly above average. Um, if, if you look at, you know, where the cutoff is, is about 65. So they're, they're slightly above average. So um, they ESPN's FBI thinks very highly of Syracuse, but again, I think it's taking into account that they've played nobody and have been pretty efficient on both sides of the ball so far, uh, not allowing a whole lot of points and scoring a lot. They've outscored their first two opponents, Colgate and Western Michigan, 113 to seven. So that's, that's the quality of competition that they faced. Um, Ronda Gadsden questionable. I think for this game, I didn't really get any insight with Dino Baber's press conference earlier this week. Uh, Last year, uh, had some pretty impactful numbers, impactful catches, including the game winner against Purdue last year. So if he's out, it's a big loss for Syracuse. Was almost a thousand yard receiver last year, had six touchdowns in 2022. So I, I think outside of him, I think that's that receiving core has improved to where they from where they were last year. Uh Schrader has spread the ball around to about four different guys that have about seven to eight catches all around uh, 120 to 150 yards, I think. So he spread the ball around uh, quite a bit. Uh, as Purdue knows, very capable runner. Uh, his mobility, I think, is his biggest asset uh, when he gets in trouble. He can take off. He broke off a couple of runs uh, last week against Western Michigan that uh, turned into either big plays or touchdowns. So. Taking into his uh, mobility, uh, I think, is an important thing. I think if you're probably Purdue, you're probably going to put maybe a spy on him and uh, just have somebody waiting back there just to make sure that he doesn't flush uh, the pocket and get outside and, and, you know, have his receivers continue to work downfield because that's one thing that I did notice when watching the Western Michigan-Syracuse game back was that when Schrader does get outside the pocket, he does do a good job of keeping his eyes downfield. Now, he is going to force some throws. So I, I would expect the, the percentage of interceptable balls to be higher than what it was last week against Grant Wells. Didn't really feel like he forced the issue or threw into a lot of tight windows last week um, or allowed his receivers to go up and make a play. Trader's going to do that. 
Prater's going to, you know, throw the ball into a guy that might be look like he's covered tightly, but allow his receivers to go up and make a play. And he has big wide receivers that can go do that, including Isaiah Jones. So I think that the secondary needs to play at a similar level or better, you know, that you hope they get better as the season goes along than what they did uh, these last couple of weeks. It, we saw improvement. We saw signs of, of of improvement with this secondary and not a lot of guys running wide open, running wide open across the middle. Um, there was just a couple of instances and, and we addressed those. Now, hopefully Purdue addresses those and ensures those up uh, because they're, you know, if you can get Purdue in, in some uncomfortable situations, you can take advantage of that secondary. So, but I think with what we saw from Marcavius Brown, Marquise Wilson, I think was a definite improvement. And I really feel like they didn't get burned or beat at all. And you have Dylan Thieneman who plays a deep center field, hoping to, to keep everything in front of him and not allow those deep shots that I think Schrader may take more than what Grant Wells did last week. So I, I think that Schrader likes to take those deep shots. Like I said, he has 12 plays of 15 yards or more. Um, but I, I think that there are opportunities for the secondary outside of Thieneman and Cam Allen. Maybe the corner, one of the corners uh, can come up with a, uh, a uh, interception this week because I think there there will be opportunities too uh, with the way that Garrett uh, Schrader likes to play. He's a little bit of a, a little bit of a gunslinger, so I think there's a good chance for the secondary to come up with an interception or two this weekend. Continuing with the Syracuse offense, their offensive line is a mess. It's it's an absolute mess. And Garrett Schrader was running for his life at times against a Western Michigan team that, like I said, I don't think is going to be all that great this year. And it was on the heels of a performance where they didn't look great against Colgate either. Uh, they rushed the ball decently. Um, not a ton of running lanes for LaQuint Allen to run through. But I think this is an area where Purdue can take advantage. I, I think that with their defensive front and what they've shown so far, getting after the quarterback, having multiple guys with multiple sacks and tackles for loss, this is an opportunity for this Purdue defensive front that has looked strong and has been their strength of this defense so far to really continue to shine against an offensive line that is one beat up i think they're without one of their starting tackles uh for the next week or so and then the guys that they're getting back from injury uh possibly this week you know expect them to still maybe not be a hundred percent coming into this game so i think that should be a huge advantage for purdue to get after schrader to clog up running lanes like they have and and force Schrader into those uncomfortable situations where he is throwing into double coverage or throwing up a prayer and, and hoping that his receiver comes down with it. I think this, this has a chance for Purdue to get, you know, 
four to five sacks in this game. I think that is a real possibility just because of how bad uh, this, this offensive line is. And it's not even just how they played. It's pre-snap as well in their own building in what was formerly known as the carrier dome. They had four false start penalties in their own building last week. Can you imagine? That's, that's insane. And, and if you can have a sold out Ross aid going crazy, that's just been waiting for this night game all day. Some of these fans, you know, are going to be lubricated and ready to go. And I'm interested to see how, you know, this new configuration handles a night game. I think it's going to be a great environment. Like I said, I think it should be a great game. Entertaining nonetheless. But an offensive line that has four false start penalties in its own building. Can you imagine what they're going to have on Saturday in a sold-out Ross Aiden with that audience, that crowd being full throat, ready to go? I think this could be a disaster week for this offensive line for Syracuse that is hoping to shore it up because I think they have good weapons. I think they have a solid quarterback, but if that offensive line is just going to continue to be a mess, this is a good week for Purdue to take advantage of that. If this was a couple weeks down the line where they had an offensive line that is fully healthy and these guys have got meaningful snaps, and, and played in a, a couple of games against quality, more quality opponents, then I would say that it's not as big of an advantage. But this is the way that we've seen this defensive front shine in these first couple of weeks, um, especially in the run game. I, I think this is a huge opportunity for this defensive front uh, to really, really shine this week. I will say that Syracuse, I think, has more team speed and I think that showed out more on the defensive side of the ball. I think their their weapons on offense at receiver, I think, are faster than what Virginia Tech has. Outside of Jalen Lane, I didn't really feel like uh, Virginia Tech had a ton of speed that could break away from you. I think Syracuse has a little bit more of, of, of another gear that they can go to. So that'll be one thing uh, to pay attention to as far as their receivers. But I think they have more speed on that defensive side of the ball as well. I don't really know what to expect fully out of this defense because I think that this defense has the potential to be very good. They just haven't really been tested. They've broken once, and that was on the second or third play of the game last week where they allowed a huge touchdown run. Other than that, they've been solid. They got after Western Michigan's quarterback uh, quite a bit. So a huge test for this offensive line that I thought held up pretty well against a Virginia Tech uh, defensive front that, like I said last week, didn't pressure a ton, only brought five, maybe, you know, 20% of the time, 25% of the time, maybe more, but they really didn't get after uh, Hudson Card, only made him, you know, scramble or get out of the pocket a handful of times. I think Syracuse is going to bring bring a lot more pressure and more than just five. They're going to be bring five, six, maybe occasionally they'll an all out blitz seven, 
So I, I think they're definitely going to try to put more pressure on Hudson Card and not allow him to sit back there and get to his second and third read um, so comfortably and, and hit those uh, receivers down the field that, you know, have made those moves because I don't really think there was a ton for Card to get to as far as deep shots down the field after rewatching the game, it looked like that the secondary kind of had the clamps on that receiving unit last week. Uh, they were still able to, you know, make some plays, but we really only saw one big play get down the field to uh, TJ Sheffield for more than a 20 yard gain. I think that was the only pass that ended up going past 20 yards uh, last week. So I'm interested to see how Purdue attacks that. I think that, there is going to be, if you're going to run the blitz at Purdue more often and they handle it well, like I think they can, you know, with the running backs staying back and blocking, uh, I think there is going to be opportunities for bigger plays. I think there's going to be chances for Deion Burks to get more involved. Uh, Coach Walters spoke to that in his Monday press conference that they did a good job of of having more than one defender on him at times. So I think there's possibly going to be more opportunity for bigger plays. You get Max um, Garrett Miller, excuse me, I was mixing him with Max Clare. I think with Garrett Miller, as he gets more and more involved in this offense, that was another thing that, you know, Ryan Walters stressed that it was going, they're going to bring him along slowly. It's not going to be, Hey, he's back and he's going to play. 60 snaps right away expect him to play probably 20 to 35 snaps 25 35 snaps this week um, with a bigger uh, play load coming in the next couple of weeks so expect to see a good rotation of him and max claire as well we did see another change in the depth chart um, a new addition to the two deep gus hartwig on there for the first time he was asked by the media in his press conference on Monday, what that means. He said he might play. He really didn't commit to whether or not Gus was going to play or not. Uh, but I still think Josh Kaltenberger played well enough last week. So if Gus does come back, uh, maybe there still is a rotation uh, between those two guys. You know, Gus might play the first two series, takes the next one off. I think there there could be something like that uh, to kind of give the Garrett Miller treatment of, of bringing him in slowly uh, so that he's fully ready to go when conference play starts next Friday against Wisconsin. So this offensive line, I think, is going to be tested a little bit more than what it was last week. I think even Fresno State, I thought, brought a little bit more pressure than what Virginia Tech did. So I, I'm i expecting it to be tested, but I think they're going to handle it well as, as they've kind of grown and improved over the first couple of weeks. So I'm I'm excited for where this offense could go and what they're capable, capable of uh, against a more aggressive defense in Syracuse and see if they can take advantage of that aggressiveness and beat it you know, beat the blitz with passes over the middle, or a more quick, quick, quicker throws, um, and letting players get in space and uh, and do some plays. And then, and you know, we're starting to see 
emergences uh, emergence of different guys. Um, we saw Yassine, you know, make a couple of big plays in that game against Virginia Tech. We saw Max Clare so uh, make a couple of, of good catches as well. So it's more than just Deion Burks and and a TJ Sheffield. You know, I'm interested to see if there's anybody else that's going to crack that rotation uh, here early on um, in this week, see if we get any more run for maybe Marshawn Rice out there. Um, does Andrew Swinsky get into the rotation at all? Um, we'll see. But I, I think that hopefully, you know, Maccabee has the same type of production, maybe breaks off an even bigger run. Still, man, I'm, I'm still waiting for him to break out a big run, um, you know, more than 50 yards. He's, he's been a little bottled up here, um, but I'm, I'm waiting for it. We saw Tracy break off a big, a couple of big runs, um, and maybe he breaks off a 50-yarder or a, a big run for a touchdown. I'm, I'm still waiting for, for that to happen. I would like to see a little bit more big plays um, within this offense. So we could see that with an, a more aggressive type defense uh, this week against Syracuse. X Factor. For both sides, I think it's the Syracuse offensive line for them. Are they going to be improved? How are they going to face a defensive front like this? Are they going to handle it well? My early thinking is that they won't, but I'm I'm okay if I'm I'm okay if I'm wrong. I'll be I'll be all right. So, but I just don't think that they're going to handle it well. I think they're going to get pushed around a little bit with this big defensive front. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that affects their offense that has been pretty efficient and pretty explosive here in the first couple of weeks on the Purdue side. I'm going to go Marquise Wilson. I think with a, an better receiving core overall than what they faced last week. I think it's imperative that the secondary and Marquise Wilson show up. And he made some good plays. Uh, he, I think, had a pass defend on that final throw at Virginia Tech to to stop that drive on fourth down. So I, I think that he's capable of it. I, re- I really do. So uh, I think there is opportunity for him to possibly come up with an interception this week. And I would, I would gladly welcome that. How important... Is this game for Purdue? I said that they needed to go at least two and one for them to have a good shot, a good run at making a bowl game. And if you lose this game, you're one and two in your non-conference games against a Syracuse team that I think a lot of people think is better than Purdue. I think they're very similar. This game could go either way. But this game is important for Purdue to win. It is. Um, a lot of uh, most of these games, I mean, that I think are 50 50 games. I mean, we're going to start heading into a stretch where it's going to be some toss up games. Have you, have you looked at the results of the Big Ten West so far? It's not, it's not overwhelming. There's no team that's looked overly dominant. Um, I, I still think that, man, if 
if Purdue can can shock the Big Ten, shock me, shock its own fan base next week uh, against Wisconsin and beat them, it, it's a very outside chance as of right now. And, and I know a lot of Purdue fans don't like facing the Badgers. They don't have a good history against them. But this game, I think, will just continue to build that momentum that last week hopefully started because they faced some adversity and they overcame it. And it wasn't so much to get that first one out of the way, but it it helps. It helps. It instills a little bit of belief. And if you beat a a quality team in Syracuse, like I think they, they can, then the hope for picking up a win over Wisconsin, I think increases even more, even more. Prediction time. Like I just said, I think Purdue can win this game. I think I said that very same thing against Virginia Tech and turned out to be a win. So I think Purdue can win this game. I think Purdue will win this game. I think it's going to be a juiced up crowd Saturday night on on NBC. First scheduled primetime game of the year. I, I think it's going to be a raucous environment. I think you're going to cause problems for that Syracuse offensive line. But I think that this offense is probably going to find another gear here soon. And I think it could do it against a, a defense against a defense like Syracuse's. So I got Purdue 31, Syracuse 28. Another close game. Said it before. I'm going to say it probably another thousand times the rest of the year. Close game. A lot of these games are going to be close. Going to make you feel uncomfortable. Going to have you on the edge of your seat. But I think it's going to be an entertaining game. I think Purdue's going to come out on top. And I think it's going to taste just as sweet as that ice cream cone from the Schwanz man. Can you believe they're not Schwans anymore? Man, I I looked it up and I was like, they're not Schwans anymore. Company called Yellow. I mean, that's just a part of my childhood just went away, gone into the ether. Man, good memories, good memories. I'm I'm, I'm assuming they it's it's still a, a delivery type service where you order food and they deliver it to your house, but. It's not the same. It's not the same as the guy coming in to your kitchen, you looking through the manual, picking out what you want. He goes out to the truck. Boom. You got meals, frozen treats right there. You didn't even, don't even have to wait for the person to grocery shop for you. It was already in the truck, ready to go. They brought the grocery store to you. Ugh, I could go on and on, but I got to end this podcast sometime soon. So thank you so much for tuning in to this preview show of the behind the rails of Purdue football. I've been your host, Bryce Vance. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow on social media. Make sure you follow me on Twitter and make sure you subscribe specifically on YouTube. I'll have a little bit of an announcement on the recap show on Sunday about the show after the Wisconsin game. Going to try to do something different with that broadcast. So 
Make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you're following on social media to find out what that news is. I'll probably be posting it on there before I announce it here. So make sure you are tuned into the socials and subscribed to the channels. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Behind the Rails. I will see you guys on Sunday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.